Welcome to the Attracting Lasting Love podcast presented by CoachingWithFroy.com. You've found the place where single adults come for mindful wisdom and insight into how to attract and create healthy, lasting, conscious relationships. And now, here's your host, the owner of CoachingWithFroy.com, number one best-selling author, certified relationship coach, and TV analyst, Roy Biancalana. Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Attracting Lasting Love podcast. My name is Roy Biancalana, and if you have been listening to the first three parts of this series, and you're back for this one, I don't know if that means you are a glutton for punishment or you really want to learn and grow. <laughs> because as you know, we are doing a series that I've titled Dark Matters, working with life, some of life's most difficult emotions. And we've talked about loneliness and anxiety and insecurity and can't say that they've been really fun topics, right? These are dark, difficult emotions to talk about and to deal with. And so if you're still hanging around, if I haven't lost my complete audience on this, hey, Roy, can you say something a little bit more cheerful? And perhaps after this series, we will try to go to the lighter side of things. Maybe we'll see. Um, But, you know, this is real life. I mean, we can try to live in, as if we're in some sort of romantic comedy and everything's always wonderful. But in reality, we deal with some dark, difficult emotions. And what makes it worse is we normally don't know what to do with them. We we really have never been taught, you know, how to handle loneliness or anxiety or insecurity. Do you remember conversations around your dinner table where people talked about the conscious, healthy ways to deal with those feelings? I don't. Do you remember anything in church when you were growing up where they were teaching you on how to handle loneliness and anxiety and insecurity in today's topic, which is resentment? Okay, oh, we, we all know in church they talk about forgiveness, okay? But, oh boy, I, 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 I wonder... If what you learn there you has helped you. But also, when you were in school, did you have classes that taught you on how to deal with these feelings? I don't think so. So, these are some of the most common emotions that we experience, and yet most of us are completely unprepared for them. We don't know what to do with them. And consequently, we do the best we can. But often the best we can just means we're avoiding these things and then in some ways just making them worse. We distract ourselves. We medicate ourselves. You know, we rationalize these feelings. We just run away from them. We avoid them. We justify them. We spiritualize them. You know, because these feelings are so uncomfortable, they cannot really be ignored. And yet we really haven't been taught you know, some healthy, conscious, mindful ways of being with some of these most common feelings. And so that's, that's what this series has really been all about. And so today, we're tackling the issue of resentment. Now, when I say resentment, what I'm really getting at today is anger that has been around for a while. And it's sort of metastasized into resentment into a, a long-held grievance, right? So I'm not talking about simple anger. You know, we can be angry at the traffic or someone breaks an agreement with us or something, some condition, some circumstance, and we have a flash of anger. Oh, that really pisses me off. That frustrates me. Okay, fine. I'm really wanting to talk about this deeper, stickier stuff, this stuff that seems to be stuck in us, these long-standing, kind of long-standing anger, resentment, the kind that morphs into something that we sort of hold on to and um, bring with us 
sort of wherever we go. Okay, so that's what I'm getting at here today is is resentment rather than anger. This deeper, longer lasting, longer held type of anger that morphs into something that's more difficult and darker and and more dangerous, frankly. Okay, so that's where we're going here. Now, this is the other topics we've dealt with. The pointers that I've given you have probably made sense. Um, but they probably haven't threatened you. They, you probably, you know, I talked about feeling anxious and welcoming that feeling in the body and breathing with it, right? You probably didn't, you didn't feel threatened by that. Right? When we talked about loneliness and I said, you know, spend some time outside and really notice that nothing is separate from anything else. That everything's connected, that it's one life and you're a part of it. You're no different than the trees you see and the squirrels and the birds and the grass and the water and everything else. You're a part of this one life. You're not really separate from it because when you're feeling lonely, you feel disconnected and alone, like separate, isolated. But nature teaches us that that just just isn't the case, right? And you, but when you did that, or when you even think about it, that probably doesn't threaten you. Right? That's not something difficult to hear. But when we talk about resentment, you're going to feel threatened by the perspectives I'm sharing. You're um, possibly going to be triggered by that, by this. Possibly you're going to disagree. Now, all of that's okay. Okay. All I ask is that you listen and as best you can open your heart to the perspectives I'm going to share. And like I shared in week number one, I'm not sharing perspectives that I feel are right and any other perspective is wrong. Okay. Nor am I sharing perspectives that I have made up. Now, these are perspectives that have been held by some of the world's most famous spiritual teachers for thousands of years, including Jesus and Buddha. Okay? So these are not my wild-ass ideas. Um, But they are going to be threatening. Because when we talk about resentment, we talk about people that perhaps have done horrible things to you, that have perhaps hurt you very deeply emotionally, financially, maybe even physically. Okay, so when we talk about resentment and forgiveness and, you know, all of these things, it's really easy to be threatened by that. And I'm even sensing there's a possibility that you might be listening to this and sort of yelling at me throughout the podcast, easy for you to say, Roy, You don't know what I went through. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what was done to me by my parents or by my uncle or by my neighbor. You don't know what was done to me by my ex or by my sister or by my boss. And you're right. I don't. Okay. But I'm still going to share some perspectives on how to let go of resentment no matter what's happened. But I want to admit that it's, it might push some of your buttons because there's a sense of when we've been deeply hurt that we don't want to let the other person off the hook. Like they don't deserve to be forgiven, right? I mean, we don't want to let them off the hook. We don't want to make any excuses for them. We don't want to have any quote understanding of them they did something horrible something shitty something nasty and any conversation that might even make a person think that we're making an excuse for that or making light of it or just saying that yeah you should just let it go um 
that can really infuriate people and for good reason. So whatever else you hear in this podcast, I am not making an excuse for what anybody has done, including you. Because, you know, there may be people out there in the world that have resentment toward you. I know that there are some women in the world, most likely, that have some resentment toward me. I hope they've let it go. But I've done some things that if there's a couple of women that are still, like, hate my guts, and every time they hear the name Roy, they just want to scream, I can't blame them. Okay, so let's keep in mind as we talk about this, that we are probably guilty of doing things to other people as they have done things to us. Maybe not one-to-one, maybe it's not the same, maybe you've never cheated on someone and someone cheated on you. Maybe you've never physically abused someone and someone physically abused you, okay? But let's just stay open to the possibility that other people could have resentments toward you. Maybe you've said some really hurtful things that they've never gotten over and that they resent you for. Okay, so we're not making light of anything or anyone. I just want to have a conversation with you about the reality of what goes on in human beings. (coughs) Excuse me. I just want to talk to you about what I believe are some unarguable aspects of, of life, of humanity, of how our minds work, how we treat each other, and why. But again, I, I really want to stress that I'm expecting some pushback from you on this. Um, because it's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like you're letting them off the hook and you're, you're not blaming them anymore. Because that may be a, a place we start right there. What keeps resentment in place is blame. That's it. Where does resentment come from? How does anger kind of metastasize and grow into a resentment or a grievance? It's blame that's never been challenged. Blame is what keeps anger and resentment alive. Blame is what keeps you from forgiveness. Blame is what keeps you tethered to the past. Blame is what keeps all that negative energy and anger alive in you. So if we want to let go of resentment, and maybe we should spend some time on why you should want to let go of resentment. Because that really is the question. You have to decide that you want to let go of it. That you you want to let the past be the past and not keep that pain alive in you today. You have to decide whether you want to do that. Now, if you do, you're going to have to look at the issue of blame. Because as long as you blame someone, then the resentment's always there. You know, people say, time heals all wounds. And that is just fundamentally not true. And we all know it. Right? Can you think back to someone in high school that was mean to you or said something mean to you? Or a boyfriend did something, a girlfriend did something, maybe a somebody on a sports team or a coach something or a teacher embarrassed you can you feel that still alive in you <laughs> i can think of a person or a couple of my friends in high school i can i can still feel some of that so i still have my own work of letting go of resentments stuff that's still alive in me you follow me so it's there 
And we have to decide if we want to stop blaming because that's the only way that we let go. Time does not heal all wounds. Even if you're still blaming someone for something that they did in high school, then you're still going to be upset about it. So blame doesn't know time. You can blame them for something they did five minutes ago or five years from now, and you're still going to be angry about it. Maybe the anger, you know, gets a little maybe quieter, but that resentment is still there. You're still holding it against them. Even if it's not that red, hot, fresh anger, it's sort of settled down into this underlying, smoldering resentment. And that's because you're still blaming them. So time doesn't heal wounds. Ending blame heals and brings forgiveness and brings peace. But it really comes down to, do you want to let go of your resentments? You know, there's something, there's something kind of, it's kind of a good feeling to hold on to resentments about people, you know, to be like that asshole, you know, what they did to me, you know, you you think badly of them. You think that they're worse than you. Like there, there's something that the ego loves about being angry at someone or some group that is stupid or immoral or that you just don't like because it, it just it makes you feel like you're better than them in some way. You know, I'm, at least I'm not like them. Right? Look at the politics, right? The right hates the left. The left hates the right. You know, not everybody on both sides, but you know what I mean. Okay? And both sides can feel superior, So there's a sense that to be resentful and to be angry and bitter and have grievance, there's something that feels kind of good about that in a weird way. It's kind of a, kind of an adrenaline that it can give you, right? But it's not a positive energy in the body. It, it is doing damage to you. So maybe we should talk just for a moment about why you should be concerned about your resentment, okay? And we've all heard the little cliches, forgiveness is is really not being done for the person that hurt you, it's being done for yourself, okay? Now, half of that's true, right? It is for you because you're the one that's locked into the past. You're the one that's holding on to the past. You're the one that's got all this negativity and anger in you. So you're the one that's not at peace, Like when you have resentments and grievances and longstanding anger in you, you cannot say that you're, you're at peace and you're open and you're happy and you're just relaxed in your body. No, you're holding on to something. Okay. So we have to talk about why you would want to let go of this. Because like I said, on the one hand, there's some benefit to holding on to it. It makes you feel good and righteous, right? But science is telling us that so many of our physical illnesses, from stomach issues to heart issues, are related to emotions that are not being processed. If there is one thing that the medical world has really begun to understand over the last 50 years is the connection between the emotional body and the physical body. They are not separate things. You do not have emotions that do not affect your body. And your body affects your emotions. You have this anger, resentment. It pumps adrenaline into your system. Cortisol, I think, is the stress drug. It affects your hormones. That anger is kind of a tightness. It's kind of a fight energy. So that's affecting your muscle structure. It affects the way you sleep. It certainly affects your relationships, right? I've talked about this a ton. When the, when the past is not just something that happened, but it's something that's happening, which is what resentment is, the past, my anger's alive in me. It's right there. It's happening. It's not just something that happened. 
when you're when your anger, when you're past, your hurt is alive in you, it's going to affect the way you interact with other people. It's going to cause trust issues. It's going to make you suspicious. It's going to make you guarded. It's going to make you put a wall up around your heart because you're going to try not to get hurt again. When your past is alive in you, you are going to protect yourself. It's like if you have a cut on your arm, when it's fresh, you cover it, right? You protect it because it can get opened up again. And that's what our past, when we have these resentments, it's like we're walking around with an open wound and we are going to protect it. We are going to think everything is going to hurt it. Something's going to rub up against my arm and open up, make it bleed again. Right? So you're going to always be on guard. And so then you've got this kind of energy in you, this fear-based protective energy. And you're anything but open and available and playful. Right? You're, you're anything but being your natural, most relaxed self. You are on guard. You have trust issues. Right? So when we talk about the past and resentments and grievances, they affect us physically. They affect us emotionally and they affect us relationally. And probably they affect us even financially, like even in our careers. I mean, we just aren't going to function at our best. It's just like an athlete. If something goes wrong and they are really angry about the bad bounce they got or the bad call that they got. Right? The umpire did this. The umpire did that. If they're all angry about that. Are they going to perform their best on the next play? Of course not. They're not present. It's going to affect their performance. And it's affecting your performance at work, in your friendships, with your children. Okay? So, have I convinced you that you need to let go of your resentments even if you think it means you're letting someone off the hook, which it does not. There's a part of us that says they need to be punished forever and the punishment is I am not going to forget it. I'm going to hold it against them forever. And you think that that's doing them damage. You're getting back at them. And maybe in some cases it is. But you're, you're actually also destroying your own life. But if you, if you look at the issue of blame, if you get a greater understanding of what happened and what's happening between human beings and how the mind works and how the behavior and our actions flow from our thinking and our backgrounds and our experiences, if we understand the human condition more, then you, then you might think, Oh, I'm letting them off the hook. And you're really not. It's really not even about them. It's not about whether they're on the hook or not. It's about you just seeing truth and finding freedom from your resentments. This is not going to mean that you reestablish relationship with someone that may have hurt you. It doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean you reconnect with them. It doesn't mean that you start talking to them again. That is a whole separate issue. It actually doesn't mean that you share any of what you're going to learn in the next few minutes with that person. What's going to happen is you're going to see them and yourself Differently, you're going to see the whole thing with new eyes. You're going to look at it from a different perspective. It's like sometimes in sports now, they have the ability to show you a play on the field, and then somehow with computers, 
they can move the camera around to the other side and show you from a different angle the same play. Just like a computer-generated kind of thing. Okay? That's what we're going to do here. We're going to look at it. You've been looking at it in a certain way. Through the eyes of blame and fault and right and wrong. And therefore, you have all this righteous anger and metastasized into resentment. That's how you're looking at it. And if you continue to look at it in that way from someone's right, someone's wrong, someone's at fault, there's a villain and there's a victim. If you look at it that way, you will always feel resentment. Because if you look at it in that way, you're looking at it from the blame perspective. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who did the right thing? Who did the wrong thing? Who's the villain? Who's the victim? And you look at it that way and it's going to result in anger. It's going to result in resentment. And you cannot let it go from that perspective. It doesn't even make sense. If they fuck me over, if they did that to me, if they hurt me, well then, how do they not hurt you? I mean, they they did hurt you. They did it. They were wrong. They were bad. As long as you see them that way, well, then you're always going to resent them. And you're going to have that resentment in you the rest of your life, and it's going to affect your relationships and your emotions and your physical body and everything else in your life, which is what's happening around us. Walk down the street. I think if we had eyes to see, we would see people that are racked with anger and resentment. If we could see into their bodies, we would see the damage that's doing to their physical bodies, their emotional bodies. If we knew them well enough, we might see the damage it's doing in their relationships. Now, we always see in society right now the most graphic cases of this. There was just a I'm recording this right after a shooting at the Michigan State University campus. I don't know the details of it, but I can promise you one thing. That person had grievances. That person had resentments and didn't know what to do with them. And there was somebody he was blaming and he was going to take it out on somebody. And he got a gun because he crossed the line from just resentment to psychotic But then again, which one of us, when we're really angry and someone's really hurt us, can we not even, can we not relate a little bit to the idea of, oh my God, I'd like to run him over with my car? Come on, right? Okay, you won't, you wouldn't do it, right? Because you haven't crossed the line in a psychosis. But some people do. They have resentment like you do, but something in them doesn't say, God, you can't shoot him. You can't run him over. Yeah, you can't, you can't go that far. Some people don't have that off switch. But it's the same thing happening. It's the blame and the anger. Okay? All right. So let me just do my best to present to you a different perspective on humanity and why we do what we do. Okay. All I ask is that you just try to uh, try to stay with me, try to stay open to it. It's not complicated. So I don't mean stay with me like you have to be, you know, smart to follow me. No, not not that. But just stay open to the radical things that I'm saying. Okay? And I'm going to try to give you some metaphors, some illustrations of of this to help make sense. And really What it comes down to is that all of us, and this includes you and me, every day of our lives, we are making choices. We are doing things. We are saying things. We're making decisions. We're treating people in certain ways. We're making decisions in our private lives. We're interacting with people. And all of that is coming from our level of 
maturity or understanding. In other words, we all have had certain experiences. We've gone through certain things. We've lived in certain places and with certain people and had certain experiences. And they've impacted us. They've formed us. In other words, we are conditioned by our past. I think it was B.F. Skinner that said, we are the sum, the mind is the sum of our, of our learned experiences. You, you could say on one level, for speaking about, you know, the mind and not the deepest level of spiritual reality, that we are the sum of our learned experiences. We've been affected by how we've been raised what we've been through and all of our actions are coming from that conditioning. It can't be otherwise. In other words, you can't act or speak or decide or choose from a more conscious place than you are. You can't be more mature than you are. You can't be more conscious than you are. In other words, everything that you are deciding is governed by your level of maturity, your level of understanding, your background. You can only be as spiritual as you are spiritual. You can only, you can only do what you know how to do. You, your mind has been conditioned in a way to respond to certain things and to act in certain ways. And you don't have a choice but to respond based upon your conditioning. What I'm suggesting is you don't have free will. You don't have the freedom to respond to a situation that you don't have the spiritual maturity already in you. Right? You don't have free will to respond to a pain, to a difficulty, to a challenge, to a feeling. You don't have the freedom to respond to that in any way that you want. You only have the freedom to respond based upon how you've been conditioned and how you've been raised and what you've experienced. Do you understand that? That you can never be more mature than you are. And so every action you've taken, every decision you've taken has just been a manifestation of your level of maturity. So, for example, this is a graphic example, but you're going to get my point. I'm saying if you were raised in a cave in Afghanistan, you, the nice woman that you are, that would never hurt a flea, that's raising her children, and you're a good citizen, and you're a great friend, and you're just the sweetest woman in the world, if you were raised in a cave in Afghanistan. And the only thing that you've ever heard your entire life is that Allah is real. He loves us and he wants us to kill the non-believer. Allah wants us to kill the non-believer, the infidel. I'm telling you, if you were raised in that environment and that was your experience and what you were taught and what you were conditioned to believe, you would be chopping someone's head off just the way they are. So how do you forgive someone who's in ISIS? You understand that, oh yeah, given how they've been raised, how they've been taught, 
what they've experienced, oh yeah, they couldn't do anything else. They don't have free will. They don't have the ability to say God doesn't exist or I don't believe in that and we need to have compassion. No, because you come into this world sort of empty and your parents fill you with shit. (laughs) You're raised, you have experiences, you're taught things, you're taught to believe things. And if you were raised like that, you would believe that way and you would be doing what they're doing. Because you cannot, you cannot not act in accordance with your level of understanding, with your level of consciousness, you could say. Now, if you get that, that doesn't mean you let the terrorist off the hook. No, you got to stop him because he's doing crazy, insane things that are hurting people. But there's no resentment. It's like, I get it. I understand. I, in fact, if, if I was raised like you and taught like you and had every, if I went through every single experience that you went through in your life, I would make the same choice that you just made. It has to be that way. Just scientifically. So when your partner cheated on you, I'm here to tell you that if you were raised exactly like them and you had every experience that they have had and gone through every single moment of life in the exact way that they did, that you would have done the same thing. Because they were not doing the best that they could. They're doing the only thing that they can. See, that person in ISIS doesn't really have a choice in in a sense, right? They're doing the only thing they know how to do. They, They believe these things. And your partner that cheated on you or your friend that lied about you, your friend that gossiped about you, They did that because of all of their past experiences. They did that because they didn't know of any other way to deal with their own pain, their own loneliness, their own insecurity, their own anxiety. They were simply following the script of their conditioning. And if you had been raised and gone through everything the way they did, you would have gossiped. You would have said those things. You would have cheated. So what you begin to recognize is that whatever people are doing in the world is not personal. It's just not about you. Yes, it might have broken your heart. Yes, you might have been married to them. Yes, they may have embezzled money and now... You're dead broke because they're in jail and everything's been confiscated or something. Yeah, I'm not saying there's not consequences and you're not experiencing them. I'm, I'm just saying that they were acting out their karma. That they were making decisions and doing what they did because that was the only way they knew how to deal with their life. And it's not personal. It's got nothing to do with you. Your husband that cheated on you has got nothing to do with you in this sense. He didn't know how to deal with his feelings in any other way. Maybe he's got disconnections, issues with his mother, with women in general, different, and he doesn't, that's what he did. And if you lived his life, you would have made the same choice. This is unarguable. And when you see it, resentment just drops away. Blame drops away. How do you blame the person over there in ISIS chopping off somebody's head? 
when they've been taught that since they were two months old. This is what we do. This is how we honor God. When they're raised in an environment, if you don't do this, you will get killed. If you don't follow Allah like this, we'll kill you. So then when they chop off somebody's head in the army, how do you resent them for that? They're, they're doing what, they, what they've been conditioned to do. And your husband or, or, or wife that cheated on you, it wasn't personal. They're doing what they were conditioned to do. To do. And you and me and the things that we have done. We did them because that was the only way we knew how to do do it. But you're going to say, no, 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 they should have known better. No, you can't say that. Philosophically, you can't. If they did know better, then they would have done differently. The fact that they didn't, like, oh, that person ISIS should know better. They should just somehow know that you don't chop off people's heads. No, sorry, it doesn't work that way. That's la-la land thinking. Nobody should know better. You can only be as evolved as you are. You can only operate to the level of maturity that you have. So here is the illustration that I use with this. I call it the the puppy metaphor. I've written about it in my books. I've never heard anybody use this metaphor. I think this is original to me, and it's one of those things where I think something came through me because this is just a beautiful illustration of what I'm talking about. Have you ever brought a puppy home from a kennel or from a litter? Brand new puppy, right? If you have it, you can imagine. What does the little puppy do when you get him home? Doesn't he chew on your shoes and pee on the carpet? Right? The little puppy, they pee on your carpet and they chew on your shoes. Now, is it annoying? Is it expensive? Does it stink up your house and your carpet? Yes. Do you not like it? Of course not. Is the puppy being bad? Well, no, the puppy's not being bad. I mean... Are you going to punish that puppy? Is that fair? Now, you want to train the puppy? What does training mean? Training means you're going to help that puppy mature, learn, understand more, evolve, grow, right? Even though it's a puppy, we don't talk like puppies like that, but that's what what training would be, right? But in the moment... Is it right for you to expect that that puppy should know better than to chew on your $300 pair of shoes? Oh, that puppy should know to scratch at the back door and let us know that it's got to pee. What are you talking about? What do you mean it should know? It doesn't know. It's got a certain level of understanding, a certain level of maturity. It can't be more mature than it is. Yes, you can train the dog, and it will grow. But in this moment, it's doing the only thing it knows how to do. It's just going to chew on your damn shoes and pee on your carpet. (laughs) It can't do otherwise. It doesn't have free will. It doesn't have the ability to say, you know, I I know these shoes are very expensive, and I, I, I do know just six months ago, that they put brand new carpet in. And, you know, uh, I shouldn't chew on these things. Um, And I really should go pee outside on the grass. But even though I know I should do that, you know, um, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to say, fuck you to this family, and I'm going to chew on their shoes and pee on the carpet. See, the dog doesn't do that. The dog shouldn't know better. It can't know better. The dog can only do or reflect its level of maturity. And I'm telling you that both you and me and every other person on the planet is always like that dog. We have a certain level of maturity. Some people are more 
evolve than others. Some people, they don't cut off your head if they don't believe like you. But some people still chew on the carpet, chew on the shoes and pee on the carpet. Some people, when the marriage isn't going well, they talk about it, they get therapy, maybe they divorce, but they don't cheat. Because they have a level of maturity that allows them that. But other people don't know how to deal with the pain and the feelings and the abandonment and all the other complexities that have gone on in their life that have put them in this moment that they made that choice to cheat because they're just like the dog. Oh, my husband should have known better. No. Just as you cannot say the little puppy should know better, you can't say that your girlfriend that gossiped on you should know better. That your children that did X, Y, or Z should know better. That men or women your friends, your siblings should know better. No, everybody is a puppy and we are acting and choosing and deciding according to our level of maturity in the moment. We can't go beyond it. So catch yourself when you say they should have known better. No, it's not possible. Should the puppy know better? And you say, no, of course the puppy shouldn't know better. <laughs> the puppy's going to learn. It's going to grow. It's going to learn. One day it's, it's not going to chew on my shoes anymore. One day it's going to scratch at the door or it's going to give a little bark and everyone's going to know, hey, let me out. I got to go pee. Okay? That's because the dog has evolved. He's grown. He's learned. But we are just like the puppies. We all have a level of maturity. And it's from that level of maturity that we act, that we choose, that we decide. Does that mean that our decisions don't hurt other people? Heavens no. Of course it does. It hurts. You chop off somebody's head, that hurts. You gossip on someone, you cheat on someone, yeah, there's pain. But do you see that you can't blame them? Now, do I need to go to some scriptures to tell you that I'm not making up some wild stuff? Isn't this what Jesus said on the cross? Father, forgive them for what? They know not what they do. But they should know better. Jesus says, no, they shouldn't. Father, forgive them. They don't know know what they're doing. They're just like puppies. They're doing what they think is right. Right, They crucified him because they thought they were doing the right thing. Based upon their understanding of life and of God and of everything, they they thought they were doing the right thing. They really did. And your husband or someone that cheated on you thought they were doing the right thing. So how do you blame them? Jesus didn't blame them and they were killing them. But he had this understanding. And now you do too. You can see it this way. You can see that, oh, there's another puppy. Oh, he's peeing on the carpet. He's chewing on the shoes. Oh, sweet little thing. He's doing the only thing he or she knows how to do. All right. Oh, do I have to set boundaries? Absolutely. Do I need to say no? Absolutely. Do I maybe need to end relationships with people? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do we need to put a terrorist in jail? Absolutely. Do we need to catch him and hunt him down so they don't keep chopping off heads? Absolutely. So none of this means that you don't set boundaries and you don't end relationships, but you just don't have any resentment. You don't have any bitterness. Just like you don't have any resentment toward your little puppy. It's like, oh, fuck, the little fucker's annoying. You peed on my carpet. It's like, but... I'm not going to hold a resentment against you the rest of your life because you're a puppy. You didn't know any better. So there's a forgiveness. That's what real forgiveness is. It's, It's recognizing there's nothing to blame here. That everybody's just choosing according to their level of maturity. And they're doing the only thing that they know how to do. They're just trying to survive They're just trying to get approval or security 
or control, just like you are. Everything we do in this life is about getting approval, security, control, separation, or oneness. Everything we do is about that. Every decision we make, every choice we make, we believe it's either going to give us more approval, we're going to get liked, loved, appreciated, noticed, we'll feel more safe, secure by something, we'll feel more in control by doing this or doing that, we'll feel like we'll, we'll be okay if we do that, or by doing this, I'll feel connected, or by doing this, I'll, I'll feel more differentiated, I'll feel more autonomous. Those are the five drives of the ego, approval, security, control, separation, and oneness. It's what controls us. And depending on how maturity, mature you are is how you go about getting those things. So that person that cheated on you, that was their way of de- dealing with the lack of approval or security or control or separation or oneness. I don't want to get too much in the deep end on that. I want to stick with you looking at everyone, including yourself, as the little puppy that just came home from the kennel or from the litter and is running around the house and it's cute and it's fun and then it it starts chewing on shit. And then it just has to pee and so it just pees. Like, oh, well, no, no. And you pick it up and you take it outside and it's peeing down your hands and you're running toward the door and it's like, oh, no, no, pee out here. Right? And the dog might pick up, oh, I guess that wasn't supposed to do that. (laughs) I didn't know. Right? So you start to see everyone's like the little fucking dog. So are you. You're doing things right now. I guarantee you are doing things right now that five years from now you're going to look back and say, oh, my God, what was I thinking in 2023? Well, you were just making decisions based upon your level of maturity in 2003. You know, just as a, an, an aside here, I don't know if you guys know this, but when I was a little kid, some people grow up and they, they want to be doctors or lawyers or firemen. Pretty much from a very early age, I wanted to be a professional golfer. It's all I ever wanted to do. By the age of 12, I was obsessed. Okay? Just golf, golf, golf. Golf my brains out. Golf in high school, college scholarship, turned pro, right? Lived in the South so I could play year-round. My whole dream was to get on the PGA Tour, okay? And I finally made it when I was 28. I played two years on the tour. I did not do well, and I quit. At the time, I quit because I thought God wanted me to use my life for something more important than just playing golf. So I quit golf, and I started a church, okay? This is back in 1990. Yeah, I was a pastor for seven years. Okay. Now, at the time, my decision made perfect sense. It was a reflection of everything I had been through and how I saw myself. But when I look back, sometimes people say, Roy, do you resent yourself for quitting golf in your prime at 29 years old and quitting golf and starting a church? I'm like, I have no resentment toward that. I have no regret at all. And the reason is, is because the decision I made back then was based upon my level of understanding in the moment. And I could not have done otherwise. Given how I saw myself in the world and God and, and what I didn't know about myself in the world and God, I would have made that decision a hundred thousand times in a row. I had no free will. Now, in the future, I came to realize that I have a certain personality type that doesn't deal well with failure. And I need to be successful. I need to be seen and I need to, I need to be achieving and be successful. And so when I played my two years on the PGA Tour, I sucked. I had a couple of decent tournaments But I did not do well, and I did not know how to handle that failure. But then I got presented with this idea of I could be trained by the biggest church in the country at the time. They were choosing 12 young men to start churches, satellite churches, all over the country like theirs. 
They interviewed hundreds of people, and I was chosen as one of those 12. Oh my God, now I'm special again. See, I thought God wanted me to do it. No, it was my fucking ego. It's just my ego. I went from something that I was a failure at to something that people thought, oh my God, you're special. You're one of the 12. But I didn't know that at the time. I really did think that God was calling me. And I would have made that decision again and again and again and again. If I lived Groundhog Day, I'd make it every single time. Because that's the level of maturity and understanding of myself that I had. But I've since grown. I've since learned to scratch at the door. And now I look back and say, oh, Roy. But it's not fair for me to resent that decision or to regret it because I didn't know then what I know now. So I have no regret. Not, not in the least. It makes perfect sense what I did. But after the fact, I learned and I grew. I became more self-aware. It's like, oh, shit. That really wasn't about God at all, Roy. <laughs> that was all about your ego. Oh, shit. Okay. Now, I've had that experience again and again and again in my life as I look back at things I did 10 years ago or five years ago. It's like, oh. But I have no regret toward myself. I don't blame myself. There's no resentment toward myself for my choices because every time I was simply doing the best I knew how to do. I was doing the only thing I knew how to do. I was deciding. I mean, I cheated on my wife at one point, my first wife. I have no resentment or regret about that. Makes perfect sense to me. I had no other way of dealing with the pain that I felt than doing that. I'm not letting myself off the hook. Not at all. I'm just saying I couldn't have done anything differently. My ex-wife might say, oh, you should have known better. You were a Christian. Yeah, no, I didn't know better. I mean, I knew better in my head. I wasn't supposed to do that, but I'd, I didn't know any other way of dealing with my pain. And everyone in your life is like that. And you are like that. You are just like that puppy at your level of maturity and you're making your decisions and you're making your choices and it might be hurting people and it might hurt you, but you can't do otherwise. And they can't do otherwise. So now how do you have any regret or resentment toward anyone? You're like, oh, father, oh, forgive them. Ah, they, know, they know not what they do. Father, forgive me, uh, for I know not what I did. Father, we're all puppies. <laughs> Look around. All you see in life are puppies. People are chewing on shoes and peeing on their carpet. That guy who shot people at Michigan State, that was the only way he knew how to deal with his pain. And I am telling you, if you grew up the way he grew up, and I know nothing about the guy... But if you were raised the way he was raised and you had all the experiences and if you were taught or not taught or not given the tools to handle your pain and your suffering, if you had his life verbatim, you'd have done the same damn thing every time. You'd have gone and shot people every time. Does that mean we, we shouldn't make gun law changes or we shouldn't looking for psychopathic people and watching for signs? Of course not. We should do all those things. But we just have an understanding that we are making choices from our level of understanding, from our level of maturity. So I want to close by just saying, who is it that you're holding resentment to? If you can see them as that puppy, that they were simply just trying to survive, to feel safe, to, to get approval, to feel in control. If you can see them, that they were doing the only thing they knew how to do, and yeah, it sucked, then you let go. And you're free. You don't have to relate with them anymore. You don't have to reconnect with anybody. Oh, God, no. But you can let it go. You cannot live with regretment and resentment. And you can be free. 
and you can be present right here, right now, and live your life. And five years from now, you'll look back on your own life and say, oh my God, what was I thinking back in 2023? I'm such a puppy. How sweet am I? I'm always doing the only thing I know how to do. I have no free will to do beyond what I'm capable or what my level of understanding is. That's how you let go of resentment. That's the other perspective from blame. And I hope it helps. And until next time, where are we going to finish up this series and talk about depression? I hope you have a great week. And if you, if you want to talk about these things, if you want to process them, well, you know where to find me, right? Roy at coachingwithroy.com, 407-687-3387. Until next week, bye-bye. You've been listening to Attracting Lasting Love with Roy Biancalana. Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. And while you're at it, please leave a rating and review and share it with anyone you think might benefit from listening. Check out our website at coachingwithroy.com and tune in every week for more insights and wisdom on creating healthy, lasting, conscious relationships.